I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. This is the show that puts you in the minds of Kevin Colbert, Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, and I'm your host of it, Matt Peverell, all the way from Down Under. Look, as this show goes uh, live, you know, usually midday on a on a Thursday. Oh, yeah, midday on a Thursday by the time it goes live. Uh, I think they're on the East, East Coast. I'm recording this uh, on, on my Thursday night. So, you know, you're going to be listening to this, you know, into the future, as we like to always say when we do things down under, we're coming to you live from the future. But I have to say, it may mean that TJ Watt, maybe he's signed a deal. Maybe he hasn't. My money is that he hasn't, but you just never know. So if he has, you still need to take, you know, some things with a grain of salt, but I think this podcast will be all right for you. So we're going to cover off three things today and today in the show. We're going to cover off, cover off now that college football, for some teams, it's in its second week. Some teams, it's in its first week. You know, that's not the point of this show, but we do like to talk about all things pertaining to the draft. So I've got an interesting insight uh, that I want to share with you uh, in, in terms of the college football season. We're going to talk about something that I've been really keen to look at for a while, and I think it's something I'm going to continue to do. I, I want to pro- provide some deeper maths to it. Uh, than what I was able to provide you with today, but still insightful what I've got for you. But what about the dollar value, the dollar value of a sack? Because that's what came up to came up for me 
you know, as part of all these TJ Watt contract saga and negotiations, I sort of sat there and thought, what is the value of a sack? What is the dollar value of a sack? It's it's a really, you know, it's a hard thing. It's hard thing to equate to because it's not, it's outside of, you know, in terms of what the players actually do for the sack, because what if it's a third, a major, you know, third down that you're doing that on that sack that, you know, it forces a three and out. What if it puts them back and then they've got to throw something, you know, that leads to an interception or, you know, the wins the game because you've made a sack. These are, and then gets you into the playoffs. These are very hard things to sit there and say, what is a sack purely worth as dollar figure? So I'm really keen on really expanding and going deeper into this, but I was able to do pull something together, which I think is pretty relevant when we think about the Pittsburgh Steelers and TJ Watt. The other thing, you know, that I really wanted to consider, you know, and focus on in today's show as per the title, are the Steelers facing an identity crisis? Because all this issue with TJ Watt and guaranteed money and what have you, it's kind of got me thinking and I'm not saying so, but you know what? I mean, I almost went into it there. I'm going to hold that for later on in the show for you. All right. So let, let's move into the, the first part of the show, the, the college football part that I wanted to cover off. So, you know, I listen to almost every show on BTSC each week, uh, you know, and, and this is what, what better time to do a shout out to all my fellow colleagues on BTSC. So, you know, obviously in the mornings, you've got Jeff's Let's Ride Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You've got the live mic on Tuesday with, with coach Michael Beck, Cap- Captain Blue Checkmark, I think his nickname is now. Uh, you've got Stack Geek on Thursday. You've got uh, On the Cutting Room Floor on a Monday. You've got my show on the, on Thursdays. Um, you know, you've got what Yin's talking about, and that goes on a Friday. You've got the Ohioans with their show, and you've got the Fantasy Football Fix as well. So, you know, that's massive content. Then you've got the nightly YouTube shows, which kick off on a Saturday night with Steelers Touch Down Under. Uh, then you go on to, you know, the post-game show um, or the pre-game show, depending on when when the, when the days are falling, when the Steelers are playing. You go the Hangover you go the Scobo show, you've got Know Your Enemy, uh, then you're on Thursday nights, you've got the preview, and then on Friday nights, you've got Six Pack with Tony. So that's all the content, the 25 original podcasts, not including part twos that you Apart from, you know, BTSC, I also listen to, you know, for regular since my show, you know this, I listen to Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. I listen to The Draft Dudes and The Draft Network. Uh, and there's a couple of other ones I occasionally listen to, but really, you know, from around the NFL. But this is, they're, they're the main ones I listen to. So I was catching up on uh, some of the sticks because I've been listening to lots to BGSC. And Daniel Jeremiah, I think it was, uh, out, of, out of the pair, brought up Super Seniors. So some of you may know this, but others might not. And even if you do know about the concept of Super Seniors, you're going to learn something anyway with what I've got to share. So essentially, a Super Senior, you know, usually would have six years to play their four years in college. So obviously, you know, you red shirt and then some guys sitting there for five years, they leave at 23 kind of thing. And that they could still play a portion of the 20 to 20, 2020 to 2021 season, but it wouldn't actually count um, depending on the division level and, and their specific eligibility rules. So basically what this, in, cut a long story short, there are 1,040 seniors that returned across 129 schools, uh, you know, FBS schools. The other thing that was really interesting was returning, returning production. So there's actually some, I think it's ESPN pulls together, but then they call it the SP Plus, 
but basically they they can they measure a metric of how much production is returning to any given team and that might be an offense defense and overall and what they worked out was that this year you know that was in crazy in term in terms of returning production in fact it was 8 to 10 10% more than normal and normally it's 62% so that means obviously if you've got five wide receivers you know and only you know two going to, to the draft and you've got three tight ends in one stage, you've got four running backs and three stay, you know, that helps you sort of equate to this figure, but it's across the league that, you know, it's usually 62%. And this year, the production, uh, so anyone who's producing an offense and defense, you know, sort of stay. Louisiana was actually the highest, uh, is or is the highest school uh, at the time that I was able to pull some of these stats from a really interesting article on, on 24-7 sports with 96% uh, of their production returning. And in fact, 98% of their offense uh, product, offensive production was back in every single wide receiver, you know, even too deep that they have. So too deep on the depth chart. So I think that ended up being 11 wide receivers for them actually is, is returning. And they had nine returning seniors. Really, really interesting from that perspective. Illinois. So that's the college that brought us Kendrick Green. Uh, they have 17 super seniors this year, uh, and they went two and six last year. So, you know, how much that means to them, but we do know they had injuries, which is why Kendrick Green got to do what he did. And, uh, you know, he was obviously in the starting lineup anyway, but got to play in that center role. Uh, and then they actually have 70% of their returning to production. So we should see how they go, you know, given they were two and six. But of the, there's, of the nine schools that sort of came up in this documentation of, of really either high production or a high level number of super seniors, there's nine schools that sort of were polled in this piece. And so one of them was Arizona State and with 14 super seniors and an 84% production return. Utah State has 19 super seniors. UCLA has six super seniors. And I mean, at the same time, while that looks low, you know, they've got, they got guys like Zach Charbonnet, who's absolutely going off at the moment. They've got a TE that's going off as well. Uh, you know, so, so they're doing pretty well, even with only those six super seniors. Miami had 91% of their production return. Uh, Old Miss has 10 super seniors return and they lead the SEC in terms of their production percentage, uh, returning production percentage. Louisiana, uh, they have their 70% production uh, return, return number uh, there on offense. And then you've got Iowa State with an 88% production return on offense. Oh, sorry, just return full stop. Coastal Carolina, a 21st nationally for their returning production with 12 super seniors. And Ball State, who won the MAC last year 7-1, have 16 super seniors returning and a 36 in uh, overall returning production. So what does all that mean? Well, firstly, let's also also look to the fact that the average number of returning seniors in the Pac-12 was 8.8. The average returning seniors in the ACC was 7.3, Big 10, 7.3, Big 12, 6.9, and SEC, 6.7. So yeah, what does all this mean? Well, basically, it's like, it's like if you load up in any you know, kid's sport, I think um, Bucky talked about this with, uh, might have been his... Pop Warner, but the baseball team, it might have been his Pop Warner football team, but he was, or Little League it would be if it was if it was baseball. But he basically was saying, you know, how the guys were lighter, but they were older and what a difference that means. And, and anyone that's played sport at any level, particularly 
I will say this in men's sport, the difference between a, a 13 and a 16-year-old 16, 16 is massive. The difference between a 16 and an 18-year-old is massive. The difference between an 18-year-old and a 21-year-old is incredible, uh, particularly you know, in, in some of the sports that I've played and, you know, whether even at basketball, which is quite a contact sport or, you know, rugby, definitely even in 21 to 20 um, to 24 can be a big difference, you know, in terms of what you're actually going up against and how hard someone's muscle is and what have you. So the add on top of that, the complexities of learning a playbook and the advantage of having super seniors is incredible for these teams. And that's why what Bucky was basically saying, and, and it was brought up recently as well with the draft dudes, they were basically talking to the fact that there are going to be some teams that you don't actually expect. And I think it's pretty wide open if you look at the latest AP rankings for the top 25. But there are going to be teams that you don't expect who are going to come out of nowhere this year purely because they've got this experience. They've got this returning production. And I think it, it's, it's so interesting to see because of these nine teams, seven of them won on the opening week of, of the UCLA, it was their second week. Arizona won, Utah State won, UCLA won, Miami lost, Ole Miss won, uh, Louisiana lost, Iowa State won, Coastal Carolina won, Ball State won. So what, you go, you might be sitting there as Steelers fan going, I'm listening to this to try and get to the second part of the show, Matt, what does this mean for me? Well, what it means is that there's actually going to be a number of different teams to watch this year. The draft could be very wide open from what you expect outside the big schools and outside round one. Equally, the players that you're going to be able to draft have had a bit more time to develop, but teams have to weigh out what age they're going to be when they finish. But I actually think there could be a scramble on these players because at the end of the day, you know, there are a lot of, you know, different positions where, you know, the average life, yes, the average lifespan for like a running back is 2.8 seasons. I think it is right now. It might even be less now. Uh, you know, but you're going to have guys that are more mature. You're going to have guys that are going to develop later on. How is that going to affect their contracts and what have you? And just like last year where you had guys draft get drafted later that had missed uh, time, you know, or, or, you know, declared early or, you know, taking time off for injuries and not played during COVID. And we know that the Steelers preference guys that played through COVID. You could have a similar thing here with super seniors that are taken because of maturity, ability to learn playbooks, experience, uh, particularly if they're in a, in, a, in a top program and have bided their time to sort of make it through. So I think it is really interesting perspective on super seniors, the role that it will be and how it's going to challenge different teams later on. Are you going to end up with a, drafting a player that is more experienced, that is more mature, or are you going to draft someone that's going to take longer to develop that you'd rather you know, invest in a, in a guy that is 21, 22. These are going to be interesting things with these seniors, but there could be some real key positions uh, where this is advantageous as well, particularly when you're talking about the, the defensive and offensive lines. Uh, you know, sometimes it takes a bit of, it t- takes a while for some guys to get some size in the, in the middle linebacking core, uh, you know, for cornerbacks and what have you, you know, sometimes it takes them more while to adjust and get, you know, particularly ones that you want versatility for. So, it's pretty interesting from that perspective. So, look, that wraps up part one of Steel's War Room. Join us for part two. I'm going to look at TJ Watt, and I'm going to look. I'm going to look at the question of are the Steel's facing an identity crisis. Woo! 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And welcome back to Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt Peverell, the host that puts you in the minds of Kevin Colbert, Omar Khan, Mike Tomlin, as they build a roster to compete for a seventh Lombardi. So early on in the show, I talked about the fact that I'm really keen on looking at what is the value of a sack. Now, look, that depends. That really depends on the team. It depends on the team and their philosophy. It depends on whether an offensive or defensive-led team. Now, I can sit here and we could, I could debate with every single Steelers fan that's alive on this planet right now as to whether the Steelers are historically an offensive or a defensive team. We all know the great defenses, that we all know, you know, the Steel Curtain. We all know Troy, you know, and Co. you know, in the later 2000s. We all know what the Steelers have done the last few years. But they've also relied on Ben Roethlisberger and Terry Bradshaw and Lynn Swan and Stallworth and Heinz Ward and Franco Harris and Le'Veon Bell and, you know, even in that year, Willie Parker. You know, I'm just I'm just rattling off some names, you know, that we know that are, are sitting there, Plexio Burris, et cetera. You know, Antonio Brown, uh, now Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, Martavis Bryant even when he was in the team. You know, I can sit here, all right? And you just sit there and you go, wow. So it is interesting of what does the team depend on? So as I said, I want to talk about TJ Watt and then we can wrap up this identity part. But going back to what is the value of a sack? That's a pretty hard thing to equate. But I think it's really important when we think about the numbers that TJ is asking for. You know, and it gives me another chance. Yes, I get to talk about numbers for TJ and what have you. And most people are sick of it. But I do think it's really interesting to think about this because it's not just relevant to TJ Watt. It's relevant to Alex Highsmith. It's relevant to whatever, you know, Ingram, Melvin Ingram produces this season. It's relevant to, you know, what Jimmy Jones might want in money one day if he manages to crack it through with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Either way, it also gets you thinking about what's an interception worth, what's a touchdown worth, you know, what is a plus 20-yard run worth. You know, these are all the things that, you know, can you, because at the end of the day, football is money. You know, it's a money business. Can you attribute sorry, a dollar value to a sack? Well, I set out to try and find out. So luckily for me, when Frank Clark was traded for the, from the Seahawks to the Kansas City Chiefs, there was an article written about this. But I've gone back and done some extra, extra finding. So we're going to look at seven key defensive players that are on the defensive line on edge rushers. Now, six of them are the edge rushers because that's what we know who we're getting paid, plus Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald signed a contract in 2018 that averages out at $22.5 million a year. Now, what I want you to listen to with each of these players that I'm going to go through is the money per sack that they've got based on the new contract they signed. For most of them, it's after their rookie deal. The new contract they signed broken down on average per year by how many sacks they got the year before signing the contract. So Aaron Donald, $22.5 million a year, 
He had 20 and a half sacks in the year before from the previous season. And he had, so that were equated to 1.1 million per sack. Khalil Mack signed his deal in 2018 at an average of 23 and a half million a year. That gave him a dollar value of 1.88 million per sack. Frank Clark signed his deal in 2019. That averaged $20.8 million a year. That, that equals $1.62 million in terms of uh, the, the sacks that he had in the previous year. Demarcus Lawrence, 2019 deal, $21 million average a year. His average deal equates to $2 million per sack. Von Miller, 2016, averaged $19 million a year. It looks cheap compared to what TJ wants. That averaged out with at 4.5 sacks and his previous year at $1.3 million per sack. Now, I've split them up from Bosa and Garrett, and I'll give you Bosa and Garrett's numbers. And the reason I've done that is that Bosa and Garrett, Joey Bosa, LA Chargers, Miles Garrett, Cleveland Browns, have a nuance that I want you to factor in. I want to have a nuance when I, that I want you to factor in. So Bosa's average per year is $27 million, right, which equates to $2.45 million per sack. And Garrett's average year, average pay per year of $25 million equals $2.5 million per sack. Now, remember, the numbers that I've given you here are the dollar per sack based on the previous year's sack number for the new deal that they signed over the against the average pay per year. But if you look at Bosa and Garrett, it wasn't an even, it's not an even contract. Never contracts are really, but they both played on a much lower deal, right? similar to what TJ might do this year if we were to convert almost all his money and gave him, give him a little upgrade into guarantees, um, you know, or, or bonuses, right? If you look at that number and versus... Uh, so if you look at the number that... Because they both signed the deal in 2020, right? Full season. I think actually both, uh, Garrett might have been after week one. But anyway, regardless, if you look at it based on the year, money they got in 2020 against the previous year's sacks, Bosa's went down from 2.45 million to 1.363 million. And Garrett's went down to 1.01 million. What does that mean for TJ Watt? Because right now, if you gave him a $28 million average per year, based on his 15 sacks last year, his number would be 1.866 million per sack. Now that puts him behind Khalil Mack. It puts him just a little bit ahead of Frank Clark. It puts him behind, it makes him cheaper than Dave, Demarcus Lawrence. It makes him cheaper than Joey Bosa. It makes him cheaper than Miles Garrett. He's a better player than all of those players, right? You could even argue, you know, that he's, you know, or, I mean, I think he did deserve the defensive player of the year, particularly in 2019. Stephon Gilmore got robbed against that. And, you know, Aaron Donald, it depends what you debate, you know, in terms of stats there from each player. The other thing about these two is this, this, is, this is just sacks. It's not actually factoring in the pressures. Like TJ Watt had 61 pressures last year over you know, almost, yeah, it was. It was over a quarter of the Steelers' overall number of pressures. You know, when it came to, you know, the tackle number he had, you know, he had 55 com- completed tackles. He only missed 10% of them in the outside linebacker, linebacker position. You know, he had, you know, eight false fumbles in 2019, two last year. You know, he there's other stats to this as well that he's got. He's got four inceptions in his career. But 1.866 million. 1.866 million, and he does so much more, and he and he creates opportunities for the other key players on that defensive line, like two at Hayward, Alawalu, now Highsmith. It was Dupree to feast as well. You know, he puts people under pressure. He's held half the damn time, if not two thirds of the time. 
28 million. And if anyone's sitting there saying, why aren't they paying TJ? 28 million is not a lot to pay TJ. In fact, it's an incredibly, incredibly cheap deal. When you think the salary cap is going up. Now, yes, it's back cheaper than where it's been the last couple of years. But in five years' time, the salary cap is probably going to be 270 million or so. It's definitely going to go up in about 40 to 50 million in the next three seasons. In the next three seasons. Paying 28 for TJ is it's not unfair. The other thing that we know that seems to be the sticking point between the contracts is the guarantee, the fully guaranteed and the total guarantees. So you fully guaranteed is what you get spread out over the life of the contract you get when you sign it. And then there's the total other guarantees that you get as well, you know, for roster bonuses, other contract triggers. I thought I'd run through them for you too. So Donald has total guarantees of 88, 86.8 million across his deal with a fully, fully guaranteed number of 50. Garrett has total guarantees of 100 million with full guarantee of 50. Uh, Khalil Mack has total guarantees of 90 million with full guarantee of 60. Lawrence has 65 for total uh, guarantees and fully guaranteed 48. Von Miller had total guarantees number of 70 million with fully guarantees coming to 42 million. Frank Clark had 60 million total guarantees and his fully guaranteed was 43 million. And Bosa had 102 million totally total guarantees and 78 fully guaranteed. Now, if you think the TJ is worth more than Bosa or equal to, that means he's probably going to get paid 80 million plus guarantee. How are you going to spread that out? You know, and that you're going to have to fully guarantee that. That the reality of it is you're going to have to fully guarantee that. And I know the Steelers don't fully guarantee contracts. We're going to get to that in a second. But that gives you an idea of what this is. Other teams are paying this, right? There's no team that's got all of these guys on the roster. Donald plays for the LA Rams. Garrett plays for the Cleveland Browns. Mack plays for the Bears. Lawrence plays for the Cowboys. Von Miller plays for the Broncos. Frank Clark plays for the Chiefs. And Bosa plays for the LA Chargers. So three of these guys play in the same conference. Three. And, you know, so that, like, you you sit there and you got to look at it and you got to go, TJ, what is worth this money? Right? There are people that say trade him. The trade leverage is gone. People know he's not leaving the Steelers. They'll just sit out and wait a year. TJ wants to play. And as I said, you might listen to this podcast and TJ wants to sign a deal. But even if he has, look at some of these numbers. Look at what he's worth in sacks. Because that leads me to my next point when I talk about is the Steel- are the Steelers facing an identity crisis? If you negotiate later, right? Now, this was brought up, you know, in terms of, I think it might have been either, it might have been, uh, Dave, uh, Jeff, Jeff Hartman's podcast. And he's let's ride, I think. And, and he talked about, could you negotiate after? And it came off the back of Jerry, Ju- Jerry Julak, say that nine times, uh, from, I think that's Pittsburgh Post-Gazette off the top of my head, um, basically saying, you know, could they, uh, they still sign him in the season? They started the contracts early, you know, and that had happened last time, that had happened in 1995. Scobros brought it up as well. What if TJ is, you know, what if it takes two weeks and TJ's got four, four sacks, right? Four sacks. He's 25% through his number with seven, 17 game season. He's 25% through the number that he needs to, uh, to surpass last year's sack count and lead the league again in sacks, probably. Is that going to cost you more? Are the Steelers being silly about waiting for that? Then I hear the discussion of is he a generational talent? When was the last time we saw a player like this that we drafted? Right now, I got into a big debate <laughs> on the Slack channel about this, and you know, and I, I meant this with all the respect. Go back and think about Mean Joe Green. 
mean Joe Green had a hand in every, you know, there's the common stat. He had a hand in every Casillo Super Bowl, whether he won it, was part of player personnel, was part of the franchise, you know, in, in other off-field manners. TJ, what's not mean Joe Green? That's not what I'm saying. But you think about what, t- what mean Joe Green is worth. Three billion to the organization for the winning culture he created, maybe more, maybe more. But if you take three billion and divide it by twenty, you start getting to the numbers of about one hundred fifty million, right? You start getting to the numbers of st- what TJ Watt's contract's worth, really, on a five-year deal, let alone six or seven or what have you. I'd be having with the six, signing up till he's thirty-two. I think he'll he'll produce. I have no issues about that. What was that worth? Because even if you think if you think TJ is you know even more than one twentieth of the player that Mean Joe Green is and was to the Pittsburgh Steelers, a generational talent, a truly intergenerational talent, I would say it, then TJ Watt's worth the money. Big Ben's saying pay and pay the man. Big Ben says I took less because, you know, say the guy like this could get paid. Ben's, pro- you know, Ben may not be here next year. We, a lot of us think he will be. But he's not going to be on a massive contract. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Also, the Steelers have this idea that they only negotiate people within the last year of their contract, unless it's the quarterback. This is where I start to question, are you facing an identity crisis? Pittsburgh Steelers are black and gold. The Pittsburgh Steelers are Pittsburgh's team. And you're probably sitting there going, who are you, some Aussie on the other side of the world, to question whether they've got an identity crisis? The reason I'm questioning whether they've got an identity crisis is, are they an offensive team? Are they a defensive team? You may say it doesn't matter. But the reality is, is that they're known as being the steel curtain. They're known for the hard defense. They're known for hard workers. They're known for putting out performance. All those things are TJ Watt. All those things are TJ Watt. And to think that that's how we're going to play ball in the NFL. Like, and I know this seems like I'm feeding off Jeff's let's ride. Well, you know, he, he summed up a lot of things that I'm thinking too, but I've got some response. I want to build on some of the things that he said too. I want to build on some of the things that Jeffrey Benedict said. But doing the QB only is daft. I'm sorry. And, and I know it sounds really silly as some Australian on the other side of the world, but it's not smart business. When you've got top players, top players, keep them if you can. Do what you can. He's homegrown talent. What he means to this franchise. The other thing is we're going to have a rookie quarterback at some point, or we're going to have backups for, for a little while. We've got the money. Equally, equally, Within that rookie deal, even if you if you traded TJ, right, and even if you saved five million or even eight million by 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 doing that, and I think Jeff's uh, uh, Jeffrey Bendick proved that I think you need to spend eighteen million on decent pass rusher anyway, and then why would you have let go Bud Dupree? Would ten million or even twelve million on two pass rushers together combined create the production of TJ Watt? I'm not sure they would at that money. I'm not sure they would. In fact, I, I can pretty much have a bet that they wouldn't wouldn't do that, right? Particularly when the salary cap goes up back up plus 200 million next year and, and plus probably 220 the year after that. That's why it's tough because you're going to have a rookie quarterback. You're going to have manageable contracts. By the time his deal ends, you know, to it technically will be gone even if you resign, you know, even with the deal that he's got. Haywood's gone too. Yes, you've got Minkra and Bush, but he's suddenly a lot more manageable. You've got rookie. Look at, the, look at the offensive line that's starting this week against the Buffalo Bills. You've got rookie offensive line, cheap offensive line. The other thing that Jeff Hartman pointed out was that the NBA, you know, players are looking, their agents are looking to the NBA and MLB. Now, obviously, the NBA doesn't have a hard cap and the MLB has no cap. But, but, TJ, what is a competitor? Which on the field, and he and Jeffrey Benedict both talked about this, right? They're an absolute, he's an absolute competitor on the field. 
That doesn't change off the field. He's going to compete, and he wants to compete with Garrett and Bosa. Can you imagine being TJ Watt? You don't want Miles Garrett, who's worse than you, getting paid more. You don't want Joey Bosa setting that league. He didn't have your proven performance. You know, I think it was like less than, I think it was behind by like 12 sacks at the same at the same time of the deal. He signed a deal early. He held out. He put them under pressure. TJ Watt hasn't done that. Pay the man. Pay the man. Now, the problem, the problem that we're going to hit as the Steelers is that we do have a, like the cap is shorter this year. There is only so many more money moves we can make. So when you go back to the Bosa and the Garrett deals we talked about, they're going to have to spread some money out or they're going to have to create voidable years to make this work because, because there's limited room for them to move. And they've got about, let's give or take about 11, 12 million right now in, in salary cup space. And in TJ Watson, $10 million deal, they like something like 5 million more to, you know, do their business during the season. There's, I think there's about 7 million or so or 6 million there. Is that going to be enough? Assuming that that's that full amount of money, they might even need more million to do more business. But I want to go back to Mean Joe Green. You know, I talked about $3 billion. What would he have cost in today's money? What would he have cost? Guarantee $30 million? All right, they've gone back and counted his sacks. The thing to me, and this is why I ask, are the Steelers facing identity crisis? They're playing a moral game right now if they don't break the rules for TJ. They're playing a moral game that 31 other teams are not playing. They're also saying that offense is more important to the Pittsburgh Steelers than defense because you've got different rules for the offense. The other thing is when the Steelers have won Super Bowls, we've had a great defense. Even when we won the 90s where we lost some Super Bowls, we brought we had guys like Kevin Green. Again, what, what are we doing here? And when you think, when you think about this, what this comes down to, it's pure supply and demand. You look at the top edge rushers in the NFL, they get paid top dollar. They get top money. They get top defensive, uh, top defensive money. They're the, mo- they're the best played defensive players. Does TJ Watt, almost two years in a row defensive player of the year, where a cornerback and a defensive tackle won it, and he runs second, is he not worth this money, right? Look at the guys that, you know, he's, he's up against in terms of top 10 players in the NFL, top 10 players in the NFL. Guys like Patrick Mahomes, right? Guys like, on like a $400 million, Tom Brady, who's earned millions. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. Now, you know, I, I just, you sit there and you got to think that what TJ is asking for is not unreasonable. It just really isn't. And the Steelers have got to think about what are you standing for? And I think, I think it was Jeff Hartman, and I apologize if it was actually Jeff Benedict, but it was Jeff Hartman that said Steelers and free agents and how much free agents want to come play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I completely agree. They're not going to want to come play if we if we muck around with superstars like TJ Watt. People are going to sit there and go, what are you doing? But you know what? I got faith the Pittsburgh Steelers know who they are. I got faith that they know how to you know sort out their defense. I got faith that they're going to put money in TJ Watt and let him be the, the player that the Steelers are going to rally around for the, the best part, end up what will end up being the best part of the decade. I have faith in Kevin Colbert too. I have faith in Omar Khan coming up with the numbers. And I have faith that they might just break the rules here. Or if they, even if they can completely break the rules, they do something, they bend them. They bend them. They, they let TJ do a bend and don't break policy. But if you don't think TJ Watt is worth plus $28 million a year and you don't think he's worth the guaranteed money that every other one of those players you know, are getting paid, well, then 
I'm interested to see who's going to be the, the quarterback in the next couple of years. I'm interested to see what you think because we need someone that's going to be able to get the ball back quickly for a rookie quarterback. I'm very interested to see, you know, if you're not a fan of paying TJ, how you think this team is going to win football games because he is an absolute centerpiece, particularly, particularly why we've still got guys on lots of rookie contracts on the defense. So no, I don't think the Steelers have lost their identity. I don't, but they are, depending on what happens out of this, particularly if he's not signed, I think it begs the question, are they facing an identity crisis when it comes to what they're standing for and against where the other teams are in the NFL? And you might think that's unfair, but we've got to compete with 31 other teams off the field to compete with 31 teams on the field. But thank you very much for listening. That's War Room for this week. Can't wait to join you on Steelers Touchdown Under or this show next week. And as always, go Steelers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.